more. It's printed underneath the sermon title from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Let's read this together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So uh, all of us have had uh, experiences of moving, I suspect, moving to a new place, moving into a new house, and you know the joy of moving to a new home, you also know the challenges of doing that. I came across a, a list of greetings that people have sent to their friends once they've moved into a new home, and some of them I, I just had a, a pretty good laugh at, and I'll read some of them to you. Congratulations on your new home. Now you can finally stop worrying about your deposit and start worrying about your mortgage. Uh -huh. May your new home be filled with laughter, love, and all the pizza delivery menus you could ever need. May your new home be blessed with good karma, good vibes, and good plumbing. Congratulations on your new home. May your kitchen always be stocked with wine and cheese, and may your fridge always have room for leftovers. And then my favorite. Welcome to your home, your new home. Thank you for not asking me to help you move in. <laughs> so you know the, the joy of moving into a new place. You know the challenge of it. That, that's really the circumstance of the people of Israel uh, in the passage of Scripture which Isaiah is speaking today. I mean, for all these, these weeks before now, we've been talking about how the people were in exile over in Babylon. Chapters 40 through chapters 57 of Isaiah. But now, suddenly in chapter 58, the people have already gone home. They have arrived back in a place they had once lived. 70 years later now, back in the promised land. Just imagine how excited they were, how, how wonderful they must have felt about that. And yet, they faced all kinds of challenges. The secular authorities were against them. The, the people of the land didn't want them there. They were hostile. Nehemiah tells us that they couldn't even work full force rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem because half of the people had to stand guard at all time just to, just to protect them. They were facing difficult circumstances. And in that difficult time, they did what any of us would do. They became devoted to God. They renewed their worship, their almsgiving, their fasting, their prayer. They gave themselves to God. Now we know that these are all good things, right? I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good thing when we come to church. It's a good thing we worship God. It's a good thing when we pray. It's a good thing we go to Sunday school. It's a good thing we have fellowship meals. It's a good thing when we do all these religious things. You know, there's just one problem with, with acts of devotion. Sometimes it's so easy to take what belongs to God and what ought to impact the lives of other people and to turn it on ourselves for pride and glory and ego for me. Now, I mean, who would do that, right? You, you would never do that. You know, I, I know I would never do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pastor... 
So uh, there was a guy that died in our community one time, and uh, some of his family was members of, were members of our church. Some were members of another Presbyterian church. And so it was natural the family invited that pastor and me uh, and I to do this service together. Now, the other pastor was, was uh, an older man. He was, he was a great guy. He was actually a very good pastor. Uh, and uh, he, he, was, he was, I would say, right before retirement, and he had gotten a little slow uh, in his delivery of things. In fact, I, I, told, I called him Dr. Sleep Ease sometimes <laughs> because he could kind of put you to sleep. But he got up, and, and, and he did in this, in this funeral. He did a really good job. But I'm this young guy. I'm, I'm just I'm new out of seminary. I really want to make my mark. I, I preached a barn burner of a funeral. I'm telling you, probably in my not-so-humble opinion, it was the best funeral sermon I have ever preached. But then you know what I did? Instead of going and comforting the family, instead of being with those who were uh, grieving and hurting, I stood to the side and I waited for people to come and compliment me. What a good job you've done. And I have to say, I am ashamed and embarrassed of that and have been ever since. But it's what happened, right? It's what happens when we take devotion, good things, worship, good things, prayer, good things, coming to church, good things, Sunday school, all these things that we do when we take these things and, and we use them in the wrong way. See, that's, that's what Isaiah is upset about here. That's what Jesus was upset about. Jesus said, you, you go out to give alms to somebody and you, sh you blow the trumpet before you give it. Look how much money they're giving. You know, you, you go out to pray and you stand on the street corner and you have these long, beautiful prayers because you're not really talking to God. You just want people to see yourself. You fast and you, you don't do it in secret. It's not between you and God. And so you're trying to, to get the approval of other people. Isaiah, 500 years beforehand, said exactly the same thing. He says, day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what's right. And yet, on the day of fasting, you do as you please. You exploit your workers. You fasting is in quarrel and in strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. Now, uh, in that day... If, if you had been in debt before the exile, the idea was that when you returned home after the exile, that debt should have gone away. And yet apparently it had not. Apparently there were some who were holding people to that. That's exploiting your workers. And that was leading to quarreling and strife and violence. You know what? When God wants us to do religious things, when God wants us to worship, when God wants us to pray, when God wants us to fast, when God wants us to give our money to the church and to God's mission, what God wants is a relationship with Him that's sincere and for these good religious acts to make a difference in the way we live with other people. That's what God's after, is, is, is that our what we do here makes a difference in what we do out there in our daily lives with other people. Isaiah goes on to say, 
Is this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice? Or this is the kind of fasting to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh? He's talking about very practical things. You know. He's talking about things like caring for your own family. You know, sometimes it's, it's easier for us to ignore the people who are right there with us and care for somebody else. But he's saying care for your own family. When we see somebody who's hungry, to feed them. We see somebody who doesn't have shelter, a place to live, that we give them a place to live. We saw somebody naked to clothe them. And we know these things, don't we? I mean, I, I know these things. And yet sometimes we forget. Sometimes we get lazy. You know, I, I've, I think I've told you uh, how uh, I used to carry, or I have carried in my car, protein bars so that when I, I come upon homeless folks who are on the street or holding up signs, you know, I'm hungry, I need help, that I can just have something always to give them. You know, I try to help in other ways, but definitely, you know, try to help like this. I've, I've given groceries sometimes. I've given milk when I bought it at the grocery store. I've been given bananas, but I mostly have these, these protein bars. But you know what? The last few weeks, I, I haven't had any in the car. And I don't really have any good reason for that, except I've just kind of gotten lackadaisical about it. I mean, I would think about it, but then I didn't follow through to go buy them. Or I'd be in the grocery store, and I'd already spent $500 on my own groceries. It's like, oh, my gosh, I can't spend another penny. And so I say, well, I'll do it next time, but then I never do. You, you ever like that? We have all the best intentions See, so what Isaiah is saying here is, is let those tensions intentions come to reality. Let, let all of our good ideas, let all of our good thoughts actually work themselves out in the way we live our lives. He says it's no good that we come to church. It's no good that we worship. It's no good that we sing our songs. It's no good that we pray. It's no good that we fast. It's no good that we have our fellowship <laughs> gatherings unless... Unless these things are connecting us with God and sending us out to make a difference in the lives of other people. And then Isaiah goes a little bit deeper. Here's, here's, the, here's the part of this passage to me that's always the challenge. Because what he says here is that it's not enough just to relieve people in their need and their basic needs. But we're also to, to make a change in our society, in our culture, that takes away the problem to begin with, that takes away the conditions that have made somebody hungry, that it takes away the conditions that have made somebody homeless and on the street. It takes away the conditions for these things. In other words, to fight injustice and to make the world a better place. So I'm so, so proud of Presbyterians, that's one of the things Presbyterians have, have done the best at over the years. We, we've been good at uh, trying to make a difference in the culture and the society in which we live. We worked on fair housing. We worked on alleviating poverty. We certainly worked on hunger programs. We've got a hunger program going right now. We, we've worked on racial reconciliation. 
There have been all kinds of things. Worked on public education and reform of public education. I'm proud that the Presbyterians have been involved with all in all those ways. The question for us becomes, what are the issues we're facing? <coughs> what are the challenges people around us are having right now? And what can we do? <coughs> what are we called to do individually and as a church in order to make our society, to make our culture, to make our community a better place? Now, if we went around and, and took a poll, I mean, we'd all probably have a different answer. Uh, but since I'm the one who's got to talk, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you what mine is. So I think, I think that one of the greatest needs we've got right now is just to, to help people in our communities and in our nation and our world to figure out how to work together again. I was talking to my dad. My dad's 93 years old. He was a state representative for a while. He's been involved in local government and the community where they live. And he looked across the breakfast table to me the other day, and he said, Tom, he said, why are people so mad? And what he was talking about is how all of the, the, the volatile sort of political issues that are nationally hanging over us all the time, how they've all filtered down to the local level. And he said it's impacting uh, the city council, it's impacting the county court. He said it's impacting the school board right now. So why, why is everybody so mad? Well, I didn't have an answer to that. I mean, I've got a bunch of thoughts, but I, didn't, I don't know the answer. I don't know that anybody knows the particular answer. But I do have a thought about what might make a difference. Somewhere, some group of people has to say, we're going to bring diverse people together, people who have different ideas, people who have different values, in a place that's safe, in a place where there's love, and we're going to help people listen to one another, and we're going to help people learn to understand one another and find some common ground. I think that's needed as much as anything I can think of this day. We, you know, we traveled in Ireland a, a few weeks ago, 50 years ago, Ireland was in a mess. It was in a mess because you had this, this uh, Irish Republican Army, you had the Independent uh, Revolutionary Army of Ireland, and I mean, things were just terrible. We, I can remember growing up as a child, you know, hearing about the IRA and the bombings that took place and the killings that took place. And that, that was a country that was just like this. 25 years ago, April the 10th, 1998, those opposing parties sat down at a table together and they worked out the Good Friday Peace Accord, which has brought peace to that nation now for 25 years. And that peace has brought uh, encouragement, it's brought uh, prosperity, it's brought a change in that entire little nation. But here's the thing that interests me the most. I believe that the reason that happened is that because all over this country there were people of faith in particular who were drawing small groups of people together, people who were on different sides, and saying, this is a safe space. Let's talk, let's listen, and let's figure out how to work together. There was a place called Coromelia, is the place that I know that, that did this for years and years and years. It set the stage for the healing that we see taking place today. Why couldn't that happen here? Why couldn't that happen in the times we're in? And could it be that God's calling the church 
our church, other churches, to be involved. That, hey, we're doing it now. We're working with the Baptists and we're working with the Methodists. You know, Pastor Laurie said that she, she spoke with a friend of hers about it and, and the friend said, well, that ain't natural, y'all. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not. And yet, we, we see the difference that working together makes. Now, now, that's just one thing. The bottom line is this. That we come to church. We worship God. We read our Bibles. We practice acts of devotion the very best way we can. But the way those things have power is when we're sincere in that in our connection with God and when we look outward, when we meet the needs of those who are hungry, when we help those who need places to live, when we work together to solve the problems before our community and for our nation and for our land. I think that's what I need to say this morning. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm hope. <coughs> Look what I did. I went out and bought some protein bars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta to preach to yourself. Amen. Um.